So today's message is titled, Well Done. Well Done. And your mind probably went to one of two ways. Uh, if you're spiritual-minded, you probably went to Matthew 25. If you're thinking in another way, you might have been thinking about, you know, like a steak or something like that. Let me tell you this. If you were thinking about a steak, uh, I'm going to get you with Michael afterwards, and he'll teach you how to properly cook something, because well done is not the way you cook a steak. Amen. No. My wife orders it that way, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're ruining it. Then she throws A1 on it, and I'm like, oh, Lord, just ruin a good steak. But I've seen Michael's pictures on Sunday afternoon. I think we all need to go visit Michael's house. Man, he gets good food. But well done, well done. It's a phrase that we all desire to hear. We know that when we step into eternity, when we face Jesus for the first time, we all want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We desire to hear that. It's, just, it's in us. We hear it all the time. When somebody passes that we know, we think about that. Are they hearing those words at that moment? Are they celebrating with Jesus in that moment? Have they been told, well done? So this morning, let's explore that, because it can't just be a, a phrase that we know, that we think about occasionally, but we have to understand it to be able to apply it to our life, to be able to change our life, to live worthy of well done. Because not everybody gets told, well done. So let's look into Matthew 25. Go, to me, go with me to Matthew uh, chapter 25, and we're going to start in here. I'm in the NLT today. So you might have a little bit different version if you're NIV or King James or New King James, something like that, ESV. It may just say a little bit differently, but the, the, the gist is the same. So in Matthew 25, we'll start in verse 14. He says, again, and this is the parable of the three servants. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. So we see here, if we, if we look at it closely, he says he divided it apportionately to their abilities. God's not expecting more from you than the ability that you have. The gifts that you have is what's expected of you. Do you understand? God's not expecting more out of you than what, he's, than what he's given you. So if you've got the ability to get up and preach, he's expecting you to get up and preach. But if you've got the ability to just to go visit somebody in the hospital or you've got the ability to, to, to feed the poor or, or, or take care of a, a, an orphan or, or whatever it may be, whatever your ability is, whatever gifts and abilities you have, God is expecting you to invest those back in. That's the gist of what we're looking at here. But he's not expecting more out of you than what you got. So don't put the pressure on you thinking, I can't do that. If God calls and hasn't called you to it, he's not expecting you to do it. we got to break it down. We're not trying to put too much pressure on ourselves. So he says, he divided in it into proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. Right away, he goes to work and earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who, who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Do you think 
the master knew something about the third servant. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had given five more, I'm sorry, sorry, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Those words we long to hear. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Well done, good and faithful servant. So I look at what he said there, and I said, well done, and then he, just, he uses four words, my good, faithful servant. Four words describe this person who has just been told well done. So let's look a little bit closer of what's really being told to this person. How do we define the person who's being told well done from the person who's, who's not? What are the characteristics? The first word there is my. And my is an ownership word. Jesus is claiming this person. He is saying, you are mine. So he says, my good and faithful servant. So he's claiming this person. This is a person of God. This is a man or woman of God, a child of God. This is somebody who has been received from, as, uh, as a child of the Father. They've been claimed by the Father. Their identity is right there, been claimed. You are mine. So my is really important. It describes somebody who belongs to God. The second word is good. And good has a little bit more meaning than just what we normally associate with good. Before we go on there, I want to real quick go over to Mark 10, 7, Mark 10 verse 17. Mark 10, 17. We'll come back. Put your finger right there. We'll come back to that in a second. So Mark 10 verse 17, it says... As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, the word good there, it's the same word in Greek used in both places, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, Only God is truly good. So here is Jesus saying there's only one that's good, and that person is God. But back here in this parable, the servant is called good. Good and faithful servant, right? My good, faithful servant. So you look at that and you're saying, well, that person is not God in that parable, right? But he's got God in him. Do you see, Jesus was recognizing the Spirit of God in that person because that's the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. Jesus can look at you and see that you have the spirit of God in you. So he claims you by saying you're mine. And then he says, now I identify the spirit of God in you. Two things already are identifying this well-done servant, right? Go back over to Matthew 25. And we'll continue on here. And the third word he uses is faithful. So we got my, good, and then faithful. And we see faithful has a lot to do with this parable. As we go along, faithful is, is, is the main kind of tenet. You've been given something. You've been given some ability. You've been given an opportunity to do something. And he identifies him as faithful. He gave him five. He was faithful with those five. He didn't expect 10 or 20 out of them. 
He just expected him to use what he only had. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. So he had five talents, or silver in this case. And he invested those. He went and shared it. He, he put it out there, and it returned the investment. Do you understand? When we go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people give their life to Christ, that's a return on that investment. That is one in one. I share the gospel. Somebody gets saved. A soul enters the kingdom of God. I, I shared one. I got one back, right? So it's, it's not asking too much of us. It's just asking us to be faithful with the little that you have in the short window of time that you have, because the life that you live is just but a breath in, in God's eyes. It's just a, a puff of smoke. It, it, you're gone in a second, because eternity lasts forever, but our life is so small that we have to take advantage of every second. We can't go about our day and every month and every year thinking, I'll get to it next year, or I'll get to it next month, because you don't know how much time you have. The Bible says that every man's days are numbered, and you don't know the number that you got. You don't know how many numbers that is. Be faithful with what you have every single day. Invest what you have every single day. So when he says faithful, he's identifying this person who has been given something and was faithful with what he's been given by, by, by evidence of he got a return on the investment. That's how he knew he was faithful. And finally, the fourth word he used to describe this person is servant. And we know Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. Jesus was a servant. He came in the likeness of man, but to serve us, to serve humanity. He gives the example of, yes, he was God in flesh. He was actually God in flesh, but he wasn't expecting to be served. And he deserves all of our worship and everything. But when he came, he served. He washed his disciples' feet. Can you imagine God kneeling in front of you and washing your feet? The creator of the universe who can snap his fingers and make anything happen took the time to wash his disciples' feet, to spend time with them, to, to talk to them, to love on them to go out to the sinners. He didn't come to save that which was already saved, but he came to get the lost. He came to serve those who didn't know about God. He came to find those who were lost and bring them home. So when they finally came before that throne, on that fateful day, they could hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. How many people do we know that have passed, that have heard those words? We think now, I think about my father. I think about him going before the king and hearing those words. And I know my dad wasn't far from perfect. I mean, you know, he only got saved a few years before he passed. But, man, he, he was faithful in those few years. He was faithful. He did a lot for the kingdom of God. And he had a lot more planned. But God's timing was perfect, and, and, and he took him home. So, I know he heard those words, and I know that one day that I'll stand there with my father and as I hear those words, and you're going to stand next to somebody you know and hear those words, and, and we're going to be, know that we, we didn't get everything right. We weren't perfect in this life, but we were faithful with the little that God gave us. We got to work. You see that? They said they got to work right away. They didn't put off till tomorrow what needed to be done today. How many people in your life need to hear the word of God and you've been putting it off? 
just a little bit of faithfulness could maybe bring somebody else into the kingdom of God. Maybe just that invite to church on Easter Sunday might be the thing. It doesn't have to be a lot. Sometimes just a little bit causes you to be a servant to that person. Serve somebody. Do something that's out of your comfort zone. Go out there and do something that you haven't done before. Serve others. Jesus gave the example. Here it is. And we know all these words describe Jesus, right? My good, faithful servant. That perfectly describes Jesus. But we're made in, in his likeness, and we're supposed to emulate that, 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 that picture of him. He gives us the example. We walk it out. So we're faithful. We know that when he says my, we belong to him. When we say good, he's not saying you're good, but he's saying I see the good of the Jesus in you. When he says faithful, he knows that you've, been, you've, you've done what you're supposed to do with what you've been given. And he says, servant, I know that you've been going out and serving others and not too concerned just about yourself. And I know that's easy to do. We get wrapped up in our lives, in our families' lives, our kids' lives. You get busy with stuff. But God says sometimes, hey, why don't you slow down a little bit and go serve somebody? And I'll take care of all this stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. See, when we serve others first, you'll be surprised how the things that you're overly concerned about, God will go ahead and take care of. He'll take care of those things for you. So as we continue on the story, as we've got a picture of, of what this person is about, if we continue on in verse 22. And he says, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So he didn't expect five out of that, the guy that gave two. He only expected the two back, right? Stop putting so much pressure on yourself. 24, the, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, investing crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. It doesn't sound like a, a, a horrible, terrible thing, right? He still returned his money back, right? You understand the other people, though, they were being given five, and he returned five, so he gave, he gave ten back, right? And one gave, was given two, he, re, he earned two, so he gave four back. So there was a return on that investment. The other, the third one, was given one. He wasn't expected much out of him, but he was given one. There was no return on the investment. He gave the one back, but he had hit it. He had been the one that said probably, you know what, I, I, I got too many things going on. I can't worry about this. I can't, I can't. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to do things. I don't know. Whatever. I'm just going to bury it. I'm going to just wait till tomorrow. I'll, I'll deal with this later on. But today, I'm going to make sure that when he comes back, I can at least give him back what he gave me. And it seems like maybe that would get you by, right? But as we go through the rest of the story, we see that's not really what happens. Verse 26 says, But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Why didn't you at least put it in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. 
and they will be having abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So now you got a harsh rebuke here. You didn't even do anything. I'm going to take even that little bit from you. And he gave it to the one who's faithful with it. He knew it would return an investment. But now listen to this. In verse 30 says, Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The story isn't so fun and giddy anymore, is it? We realize that there's a consequence that this guy had coming because he wasn't faithful with what God had given him an opportunity to do. All of us have an opportunity or given the, the opportunity of, of Jesus, right? We're all given that. Nobody has to take Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Nobody has to receive him as their, their king and their Lord. Nobody has to do that, but we were all at one time presented with that option. And if you've never been presented with that option, I'm going to present it to you today. You had the choice to receive it or reject it. To be faithful with the word you got or to hide it down and do nothing with it, which means you didn't think it had any value in the first place. Because if it had value, you wouldn't have hit it in the ground. You would have shared it with the world around you. Are you being faithful with the Jesus that you've got? Are you burying them down at work or, on, uh, or at school or wherever you, you are? Are you just putting them away and just not letting anybody see that Jesus is with you? Are you sharing him and investing him out in people, seeing that return on the investment? People's lives are changed and transformed because you are faithful with the little you've been given. And think about that. It's not even a little. Jesus is a lot. He is everything. So that is a big thing to have. But really, he says, it's just a little thing to share. If you would just share the name of Jesus, you would be told, good and faithful servant. But if you bear it in the ground, you're not worthy of the name of Jesus anyway. Away from you into outer darkness. That's a rebuke. Jesus is telling us a story that there's consequences to the person who rejects the name of Jesus. You get an opportunity. It's up to you. But that servant didn't have to. He didn't go make him work. He didn't make him invest the money. He didn't make him do anything. He just said, here you go. Here's an opportunity for you. Let's see what you do with it. That's why I love serving this God. The one true God. Because he didn't make me do anything. I chose to love him. He already loved me. He already created me. He already admitted me in my mother's womb. He had done everything for me, everything for me. But still, he left the choice up to me to either accept him or to reject him. There's no middle ground. I can't say, well, I'll get to it later. That's a rejection. There's no thing that says, you know what, I kind of believe, but, man, I just need a little bit more. That's rejection. There's nothing that says, you know what, if somebody would just, if God, if you would just speak to me and make yourself real, you're rejecting him and making him do something to prove himself. It's a rejection. If you were to die today, you stand before him. Guess what? You're the third servant. Away from me, he has to do that because he cannot have you in his presence. Do you understand? The presence of God requires the presence of God to be in you, to be before him. And to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm not here today to put a bunch of pressure on you or anything like that, but to know that there is a judgment coming, that where Jesus will separate the goats from the sheep, one to the left, one to the right. So he goes on in verse 31, and he says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, 
Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his, uh, at his right hand and the goats on his, at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones. Do you see ones here are righteous and ones are cursed? Away from with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. There is a real hell awaiting. There's too many churches nowadays that don't preach hell. They don't say that there's an opportunity that you may end up there. That choice is yours. God sends nobody to hell. We choose to reject the one who sends us or takes us to heaven which leaves only one other destination. So it says, it seems weird. You're like, I didn't choose hell. I just didn't choose Jesus. No, that, that's, that's the two choices there. You receive Jesus. In that name, you're saved. By that name is the only way to come to the, to, to the Father. So we know that that's the way to, 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 to eternal life with Jesus. But if I reject that, then there's a destination, the Bible says. Now, you may choose not to believe that. That's up to you. But it doesn't make it any less real just because you don't believe it. So it's up to us to make that choice. So here he says, and he breaks it down, and he says, away from me. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your house. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. It makes us a little bit more conscious of being a servant. If you don't leave here today, knowing that this is serious business, that I need to go out and serve others. Because a servant is a sign of a Christian. It's a sign that it identifies you as one that's truly saved. You, you, you exemplify the characteristic of a servant because you got Jesus in you. If you got Jesus in you, you can't help but be a servant because he came to serve and not be served. So if you got Jesus in you, it automatically comes out of you. Now, you might have been up to now afraid or for whatever reason to go out and maybe do some things like, you know, go out and feed the hungry or do some things that you, you know, that you've been wanting to do for a while. But today God is saying, be faithful with what I've been given you. I've been waiting for you to be faithful with these gifts that I've given you. Go out and do something. 
Because the one who refused that, who, who saw the need, who came across the need and said no at every opportunity, never exemplified the love of Jesus Christ. So when he stood before the king, it was easy for the father to identify that he was not part of the family because he did not have the characteristics of the son. He did not identify with his son. But the one who is faithful in those things, who saw a need, saw the person standing on the side of the road, in the rain, cold, wet, and knew that he was supposed to stop and get him some food or or feed them, or, or whatever it may be, or, or ran across the person who was just down in the dumps, depressed, uh, anxious, and everything else in their life, and, and instead of just saying, hey, man, you know, have a great day. I hope you feel better. But stop to pray with the person. Stop to share the love of Jesus with, with them. Give them some joy back in their life. That person identified the need, didn't realize that they were serving Jesus, but they were. Because Jesus said, man, even when you didn't know you were doing it to one of these, you were doing it to me. And, him, and the ones that rejected, when you were rejecting the opportunity, you were rejecting me. You see what he's saying there? That's why it's easy for him to identify somebody because he rejected the opportunity to serve others. You were rejecting me. So if you rejected me, there's only one other place I can send you. And it can't be in my presence, so you've got to be away from me. Even if hell wasn't this place of punishment that the Bible describes, even if it was just this, the total lack of the presence of God, it would be miserable. Eternity, forever, in darkness, and away from the presence of God. Any, no love, no joy, no peace, all that stuff, which is characteristics of Jesus Christ. It's the only place those things come from are completely gone. You are completely left in sorrow. That's why it says weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand? Na- I mean, it's so bad, you're just grinding your teeth constantly. It's not a happy existence. It's not a happy existence. But at the end here, I like that there's, 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 when he was talking about these servants here. Let me finish up the verse here. It says in verse 46, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Two destinations. One opportunity. But if you look back, and when he said... Um, when he was saying, well done, he says, and here he says, uh, what he says here. you've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I want to kind of share something with you, because I was studying this, and I noticed that in different versions, it has different uh, descriptions there. So in the NLT, it says, let's celebrate together. That's what it finishes there. It says, let's celebrate together. I don't know if that verse is up there or not. That's in verse 21. So Matthew 25, verse 21. It ends by, let's celebrate together. So Jesus, well done. Good and faithful service. Come on, let's celebrate. That sounds pretty good. The ESV says, enter into the joy of your master. The NIV says, I will put you in charge of many things. And the King James Version says, I will make you ruler over many things. And there's another version I read. I can't, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it was one of those kind of strange versions. But it said, I will put you over the number of cities that you were faithful with. So the one that gave five, it says, I'll make you rule over five cities. There's coming a, a day, and, and I'm not going to get in this today, but there's coming a day when there's a tribulation. There's a tribulation period. There's a seven-year tribulation period coming. 
At the end of that seven-year tribulation is the millennial kingdom. In other words, it's the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ right here on earth. If you've never heard of that, hopefully me and Pastor's got to get together on preaching some of this pretty soon. A thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ literally on earth ruling and reigning in our presence. Can you imagine that? In that place, the ones that have been told, well done, good and faithful servant, are going to be given roles. And they will be, have authority over situations, cities, cities, whatever it may be. And that's what some is describing right here, is some of what's, what you're going to be given. You know, when you get to heaven, it's not you just get there and everybody's equal. Can you imagine the guy that, that just passed away? And he was on his deathbed, and in that last moment, for whatever reason, he cried out to Jesus. And he said, Lord, save me. And he could have been the most horrible person every year of his life, but in that last second, he cried out to Jesus, his heart repented, and he truly repented. Guess what? He was right before the king. He was right there. Just the same as, as Billy Graham, who spent his whole life preaching the word of God, who was, you know, pastor to presidents, and you're like, wow, that's the, that's the man of God right there. The same. They, they had the same destination. But do you think they really had the same role when they got there? This one guy knew nothing about the Bible, knew nothing about the stories of the Bible. He just gave his heart to Jesus. He had some learning to do. And so there's people that get there that are way ahead spiritually than the, some, some others that get there. And you're going to be given roles. There's, there's, there's going to be opportunities to, to earn and I don't say, it's not, it's not a works thing. You don't have to work to get saved. This isn't what this is about. But a lot of what you do today dictates what you'll be doing in heaven. Put it that way. And, and, and dig into that a little bit. Don't take my word for that. Dig into a little bit and, and know that that is in the word of God. There is proof of that. Um, and some of us receive crowns, a crown of life. Uh, there's different crowns we'll receive. And you're, you're going to get there and there's going to be a celebration. Whenever it is, if it's at the, at the rapture and you, you get raptured up and you never actually die, or if you just pass away just like many have gone before us. But ultimately, we get to that point where we're told if we're faithful or not. So the faithfulness of your life dictates your reward. The faithfulness of what you've been given dictates your reward. Go with me to Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to try to wrap this up. For you that don't, for y'all that don't know, Megan and Preston Albright, um, y'all, well, Megan's pregnant, right? You had to know she's pregnant. She's been pregnant for a while. She uh, just gave birth this morning. Uh, seven pound, I think three ounce baby girl, and uh, Alice is her name, and uh, she was born at uh, I don't know, probably about an hour ago. So as soon as this wraps up, if y'all see me run out of here real quick, I'm going to the hospital. I gotta go see my friend's baby. So we're, it's exciting. So anyway. Uh, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you. Even if you think that you were born by mistake, an accident, that you were almost aborted, that your mother or father gave up on you, whatever circumstances led to you sitting here today, I am here to tell you that you are loved by the King of Kings just as much as anybody else, and he has a plan for you just as much as anybody else. He has purposes. He has planned things for you long, be, long ago from the foundations of the earth. He knew your name, he knew your purpose, and he knew your destiny.
So use that. Know that God has a purpose for your life. Don't walk around without purpose because you'll never accomplish anything. But if you put purpose in your heart, you know that God has purpose in your, for your life, that you're not an accident, you'll go out and do something. You'll go out and accomplish something, not for yourself, but you'll serve others and you'll further the kingdom of God. And that's really what it's about. It's really what it's about. So how do I fulfill my promise? How do I do that? How do, how do I get to that place where I'm just secure and know that I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant? There's five things I'll share with you real quick. Number one, so write these down. These will these be some keys to take home with you to say, okay, here's how I apply this. Number one, know the word. Know the word of God. I could be up here preaching all day long, quoting scriptures or whatever, and if you've never read it or never know what I'm talking about, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. And I could be wrong on something, and if you didn't know the correct word, you would hear false teaching. There's many false teachers out there. The Bible says that. People will come, and there'll be false teachers. So we have to know the word, but the word is what transforms and changes our life. It feeds you on a daily basis. If you want to start somewhere, get in the word. If you've never done that, first step for a Christian, start reading the Bible on a daily basis. If you're not doing that, you're not living a fulfilled life in Christ Jesus. You may be getting a little bit of it, and you're thinking, this is great. But if you want more, get in the Word. Number two, share the gospel. So know the Word first, and once you know it, share it. Share the gospel. That's being faithful. That's a faithful one. Number three is serve others. Always serve others. When you see an opportunity that puts before you, guess what? That opportunity is not by chance. Jesus Christ put it before you for you to do something about it. Serve others. Number four, Love God more than, I put dot, dot, dot there, more than what? More than your job. Love God more than your family. Love God more than your car, your house, your, 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 your own hobbies. Love God more than whatever has been more important than God. Because a lot of things we love a lot in this world, and sometimes they pre- take precedence over God. Today, to be one of those ones who's going to be faithful to what he's, what he's been given, love God more than those things, more than your wife. Because if you love God more than your wife, guess what? You'll love God and you'll love your wife in fullness. If you love God more than your husband, you'll love him like you've never loved him before. See, our husbands and wives and our kids benefit from that, that, that true answer there. I love God more than. They benefit from that. It sounds backwards, right? You say, no, I, should, I, put, I should always put my kids first. I should put my, my wife first. No, put God first, and then they will be taken care of. Because that's what a true man or woman of God does. And guess what? They'll do that because they saw that. That's what my dad did. That's what my mom did. They always put God first. Guess what? Kids will emulate exactly what you do. I didn't lay on the, f- the floor in church, though. Get up, son. Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> Crazy. But I do like to come to hear me preach. Number five, multiply, don't bury. Last one, multiply, don't bury. So you've been given something. You've been given opportunities Maybe those opportunities are, 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 haven't been presented to you yet, but you're going to recognize them soon coming before you. Multiply those opportunities. Multiply yourself. Tell people, see, when you're sharing the gospel, you'll, you'll generally multiply. Go, therefore, and make disciples of every nation's tongue. You know, that's multiplication, right? If you're sharing the gospel, if you're going out there and, and, and sharing the gospel, People naturally get drawn to Jesus. They get saved. They get set free. Guess what? You've multiplied yourself. Multiply. 
don't bury. See, that third person, the third one who was given something, who had an opportunity, but he buried that opportunity. Don't bury your opportunity. And if you've been burying it, go dig it up today. Go dig that sucker up and go invest it. Go put it to work for you. Get after it. Do something different. And just know, if you're thinking about people that you've lost today, if you're thinking about eternity, if you're thinking about what's coming next, if you're thinking about those words, just know the day is coming when you'll hear those words.
And like I said, many of us know somebody that has heard those words, like Grandma Masters or little Jake. Angelina's not here today, but little Jake heard those words. It doesn't matter how short their life was or how long their life was. They accomplished something in that, that period of time they were given. That, that moment of time that they were given, they were faithful with. They did something with this. And everybody knows somebody that's passed before us, maybe a grandmother, a father, a mother, an aunt, uncle, maybe your child. Somebody has passed before you. We desired for them to hear those words, right? We, we prayed that they heard those words. And we, we, get, we get joy and peace knowing that they hear those words. But God expects you to do something. He expects you to go out there and be faithful with what you've been given. Do something different today than maybe you've done your whole life. Change your mind. Change your perception of what Jesus is expecting from you. He's not expecting the impossible. He's only expecting what's possible because it's possible because he's already given you the ability to do it. Remember, he gave them the ability. They just went and invested that ability or that gift or that, that, that silver coin or whatever it may be. But he's talking about the ability that he gives you. So he doesn't expect you to invest something you don't have. You have something that God has given you. Everybody in here has something that God has given them. Go out there and be faithful with it. And one day we'll stand before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your joy. Enter into your rest. I'll make you ruler over much. I'll give you these ten cities. Whatever Whatever it is, God has a destination for you. He has a purpose for you. You're not an accident. Don't live as if you're an accident. Live as if you've been called according to the the word of Jesus, that that you have gotten uh, an opportunity that you've taken advantage of, and you're proud to stand before Jesus and say, that's right, I was faithful with that. That's right. And know, just know that some people aren't going to be faithful with that but you're going to be. Amen? Amen. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you need to do that today, I'm going to have a couple of people that are going to be up here to pray for you. Don't be weeping and gnashing your teeth out in outer darkness. There's an opportunity. And I say it, and I say it to be funny or anything. It's, if you don't know for sure that you're saved, don't walk out those doors guessing about it. You know what I mean? Because you're going to stand before Jesus, as that story illustrates, one way or another. But then he's going to give you one of two destinations. Come on in, or I'm sorry, you can't come in. You were given an opportunity and you rejected it. Today you've been given an opportunity. If you've never heard the word of Jesus and it's the first time you've heard it, then it's now on you. You've heard it. So you have the opportunity to reject it or to receive it. And that's hard. Some people say, well, let me think about it a little bit longer. That's fine but don't think too long. You know what I mean? The other part is if maybe you've been hearing the word of Jesus for years, but you've never really committed your life. How, do you, how can you tell that? Because those things that I described haven't described your life. My, my good, faithful servant. If you can't say, I live those out in my life, maybe you need to dedicate your life fully to Jesus. You've been living on the fence and it, what's harsh is God says, I'd rather you be on one side or the other. If you're on the fence, he says, I'd rather spew you out of my mouth. You're like vomit to me. <laughs> That's harsh. It's harsh. Because he can't stand that you've been given the truth, and yet you still reject it. 
He'd rather you've never heard the truth because that meant you never rejected him yet. But guess what? Everybody here has heard the truth. So you either get two choices, receive it or reject it. So if you want that opportunity today, it's a choice. Nobody makes you do it. But we ask the people that are pray with you and believe with you, or if you just need prayer or anything else. But other than that, I just want to release you guys. Go out there. Let's do something different. Let's make a difference. Let's be the ones that point to this church as they drive by, and they say that building over there are the people that make a difference. Thank you.